Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. All right, well, good morning. Can I tell you a secret? So the message bump that just played uh, for Cabin Fever has a song on there that I really like. And the reason our message bumps have the, the music that they do is because when I get up to speak after message bump, I need to feel like got a little pep in my step. And so I want to feel like I got my groove on. And anything that makes me want to dance or get going, that's that's the music we're going to hear in our message bumps. That's it. There's no spiritual reason. Just know that when you hear music in a message bump, it's because I want to get my groove on. Good morning. It's great to see you. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass. My wife, Terry's back there looking at me from the dining room table. And she gives a, a woo shout out. My dog, Echo, is on the couch. She's Hi, Echo. She's saying hi. And uh, welcome to my house. I'm glad you guys joined us today for the Compass live stream. And uh, I'm just thrilled to have you. So we are in week five of a message series called Cabin Fever. And to kick off today, I want to play a little a little game with you, okay? Now, this is it's a value proposition game. It's, it's a game I like to play with people because I like to get into people's minds and understand them a little bit. And this is the type of game that helps you really get into what makes a person tick. And it's a, it's a fun conversation starter if you've never done it before, kind of a get-to-know-you game. And it helps you understand kind of the weird ways that people think. And basically, the game is played like this. Would you do X for X amount of dollars? So let's play this game, okay? For example, this is how it's played. Would you let spiders crawl all over you for $100? Now think about that. If I offered you $100, Terry, would you? Yes. You would let spiders crawl all over you for $100? Yes. How, yes. How many spiders? Are they, are they poisonous spiders? They are not poisonous spiders. No, no more money. Way more money than that. Wait, wait, wait. Way if they money. were poisonous, you'd do it for $100? No, 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 no. Okay, my wife. She's, no. <laughs> she's confused. She's confusing me because I'm terrified of spiders. And there is literally no way I would let spiders crawl on me for $100. No, no. no way. $200? Mm, $1,000. Okay, Terry's, Terry's number is $1,000. I wouldn't do it for $1,000 because I'm terrified of them. But here's what's so cool about this proposition. Like some of you guys, like Amy and Noah, you, like you guys are like, no way. My sister, nope, won't do it. But like as the number goes up, this is where you start to figure out your value proposition. What really matters to you, right? So like what if, would you let spiders crawl all over you for $5,000? I know Terry would let spiders crawl all over her for $5,000. $5,000. What about $6,000? $10,000. I'm going to let spiders crawl all over me. And I am deathly afraid of spiders. How many spiders? (laughs) Myriad spiders. And, okay, total side note. I don't want to make today go long, but I have to tell you, last night I was laying in bed. Terry was asleep next to me and I was watching TV. Lights are all off. And I see silhouetted in the TV screen a spider descending on its web at the foot of my bed. Hanging and it hung in midair. I didn't tell you this, babe. I'm sorry. Hanging in midair, and I see it, and I, I'm like, I was so thankful it stopped. So I jumped out of bed, grabbed some toilet paper, I flipped on the light. Terry didn't wake up, and I smashed it in the toilet paper, <laughs> threw it away, turned the lights back off, saw that Terry was still asleep, and I thanked the Lord that He let me catch it instead of it disappearing. So anyway, the point is this: is that is that even though I don't want spiders crawling all over me, there's this value at which I will. There's a certain amount of money where I value the amount of money more than I, I value not having spiders on me. Uh, so uh, here's another one. Great example. I would love to know what you guys think. Please put it in the comments. Would you go shopping in your underwear for $500? Yes. 
I absolutely would. I, I'll go outside in my backyard in my underwear. <laughs> not online, not online. This is like real life. This is pandemic over. Would you go shopping at a store in your underwear for $500? No. I totally would. Terry's like, no. Would you do it for 5,000? Fifty thousand. Yes. Terry. Okay. So fifty thousand is the number. Now no, you work down twenty five thousand. No, 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 no. So okay. Now you get it. Now you can kind of get in someone's head and, and figure out what they value. Here's a, here's a great one. Would you eat a cookie made of cricket flour for twenty five dollars? Now this is a real thing. Cricket flour is it's flour made out of crickets. A lot of protein. There's people around the world who eat bugs. It's 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 flour. Okay. Would you eat a cookie made of cricket flour for $25? Oh my gosh. I would do it for free. Okay. I would eat a, a cricket flour cookie for absolutely free. What about you? 25? No. Terry? Cricket flour cookie? Oh yeah. Oh, for 25? Uh, it's flour. It's cricket Would you eat it for 10? For wait, $10? Yeah, $10. I mean, I would, I would want more money, but I mean, it's cricket flour. It's, okay, see... It's, Okay, so, so the value for eating crickets is, is much lower. But you can see where we're going with this. But here's what's interesting about all this is our answers are all different because we all come from different backgrounds and different perspectives. And our circumstances change what we value. Perfect example. If you are in a situation where you need money and you don't have a lot of it, you're probably going to be willing to let spiders crawl on you for a lot less than maybe you would if you had a ton of money in your bank account. If I don't need a ton of money... Well, then I'm not going to let spiders crawl on me. But if I'm broke and I can't pay my bills, I'll let spiders crawl on me for, for a lot less than maybe I would have because our circumstances are going to dictate it. Um, if, if your health is at higher risk uh, or, you know, if you have a high, if you're high risk health, it changes what you're willing to risk doing, in fact. So like, like if, if, uh, if eating something might make you sick more than someone else, you probably are gonna ask more money than you would have otherwise. Our circumstances will change things. Perfect example is how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed our circumstances. And I think that it's changed our value propositions. Think about this, okay? Um, a year ago, if, if I was gonna fly to Disney World on a plane instead of driving, I would have had to look for a plane, a plane ticket deal that was worth it. Now, I would probably fact say that an airline ticket to fly to Orlando for $200 round trip is a total value, and I would completely do it. I would get into a sold-out plane for $200 a ticket, and I would buy it for my family. But today, how low would an airline ticket need to be for you to get on a packed ticket, a packed flight, to go anywhere you wanted, how low would that price need to be? I'll speak for myself. I think if you're giving away plane tickets, I'm probably not going to get on that plane. Now, there's others of you who are watching this and you're like, well, I don't care. I'll get on. A, I'll pay full price. I don't even care because you're not scared. You're not concerned about what's happening. And so like our values, our circumstances determine what we're going to do. But how about this? How low would that airline ticket have to be to take your grandmother on a packed flight with you? Maybe your grandmother who has heart disease, diabetes, and is at very high risk. See, a year ago, you might pay $200 and say that's a value. Today, you might say that the airline has to pay me to get me on that plane. How about this? How low would a ticket need to be to go see your favorite band or singer in a standing room only arena? Again, for me, there's no, there's no low price that's gonna get me to go stand in a packed auditorium, in a packed arena right now because circumstances have completely changed things. Last one, last question. Would you stay at home 
under lockdown for another complete month for a thousand dollars. Now there's people like, like me and I'm like, well, I'd stay home for a lot less than a thousand dollars. So I'm going to take that. But then there's others of you, um, probably Ryan Woith, um, who are just like, I've got to get out of the house. I miss people. And like, you could pay me 5,000 and I'm not going to stay at home for another month if I don't have to. Circumstances change. And with our circumstances, so do the proposition values. And the thing is, all of these questions, they're not really about money. What the money does is it just kind of brings us to the point where we can understand and uncover what we actually really value, what matters the most to us. Things like our health uh, or our safety or our peace of mind. Spiders crawling all over me, that's about my peace of mind. And I'm not going to give that up unless there's a lot of money involved because I have a high threshold for peace of mind. And when we, we are confused. When we're confronted with these ideas of changing and new ideas and changing circumstances, it makes us assess what matters most to us. It's a question. When we are confronted with the idea of our own mortality, what really matters? When you're confronted with the idea that, um, that we will die someday, what really matters to you most when you really look at that? What matters spiritually to us in, in that? And, and what matters after we die? What are the value propositions that really matter to us in those circumstances? Now, in this Cabin Fever message series, we're looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul had a time in his life where uh, his life was actually a lot like ours. He was in prison under house arrest in Rome, and he was there for two years. He had been in prison in a different prison for two years before that. So he's been in prison for like four years. He's, he's socially isolated. He's socially distanced from all the people he loves, all the people he cares about. He actually, he tells us that he has a sick friend who almost died. So he knows what it's like to have this, have disease and people who he loves almost die. Uh, and in the middle of this, Paul is faced with his own mortality. He doesn't know if he's going to get out of prison. He doesn't know when he's going to get out of prison. He doesn't know if the way that he gets out is his own execution. And in, in, in this moment where Paul doesn't really know what his future holds, he told us what mattered most to him. Because in this time that he was in prison, he wrote letters to churches around the world. And he wrote a letter to a church in Philippi. And it is a letter that actually made it into the New Testament. And it's a book of the New Testament called Philippians. And in Philippians, Paul shows us what he's thinking about what he's processing, what he feels like God is saying to him in the middle of social distancing and isolation. And we can gain a lot from that. Now, in this letter, Paul, Paul starts by addressing the, the value proposition that he's been working through by, by giving us his background. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law, and I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I mean, I obeyed the law without a fault. Paul is basically saying this. He's like, when it comes to uh, living out a cultural standard of being good, I was perfect. For most of us, I think what really matters is that we lived a good life or that we were that we were a good person. And I think a lot, if you polled, you know, most people in the United States, I think that most people would say that like the thing that matters to them is that they were good. 
And we all have these different factors that we use to decide if someone is a good person. They're like these check boxes. Um, and they're individual for every, every person. Sometimes they're individual to a culture or society. Um, but we try to check off these boxes for ourselves in our mind. And, and some of the typical ones are that, that I was kind, uh, I was generous, uh, I looked out for others, and I tried to help other people whenever I could. And then there's probably overlap, uh, but, but our, these, again, these values are different for every person and in every culture. And in Paul's culture, Paul was the pinnacle of a good person. Paul's Jewish culture in the first century, Paul was a, a religious Jew. He lived in a religious Jewish culture. And in that culture, man, Paul checked off every single box. Paul was the pinnacle of a good person. Now, if Paul were like many of us, he probably would have stopped there. And he probably would have said, you know what? I've made it. I've, I've accomplished the things that matter most to me. I've accomplished uh, these, these check boxes of values. And I've come to the conclusion that I am good enough. But Paul doesn't stop there. He continues writing this in Philippians 3, verse 7. He says, I once thought that these things, all these things he's just listed, the check boxes that make him a good person, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. I mean, that's a huge statement. Think about the things that are most important to you in order to be a good person in your world, in your culture, in your society. And Paul's saying this, Paul's saying, I aced all those things. I aced all the things that society told me that I needed to do in order to be a good person. But now I realize that, that those things didn't have the value to me that I once thought they did. In fact, another translation says this. It says that, that now I, I look at those things as garbage. They're just trash. They're, they're completely worthless to me. I thought those things were valuable, but now they don't have the value they once did. I thought those things could save me, uh, or I thought those things could affirm the meaning of my life and the value of my life. I even thought those things could make me good with God. But, but now I look at those things completely differently. Now those, those things are like tickets to a Beyonce concert, right? They used to be priceless before the pandemic, but now tickets to a Beyonce con concert are pretty much worthless. So what changed for Paul? What was the thing that shifted for him, that took all of the things that were super important to him and made him shift his perspective and say, no, that, that stuff's worthless. He continues, says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done, because of what Jesus did. You see, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. All of these things that I thought had value in making my life meaningful and making my life count, uh, in making me a good person and making me good with God, I accomplished all of those things, but now I've compared this life to a life of knowing Jesus and I've weighed them out and I've determined that all of this stuff is garbage. It's worthless. I thought it was valuable and important, but now when compared to knowing Jesus, it's not. And he says this, for his sake, for Jesus' sake, I have discarded everything else. I've counted it all as garbage. There it is. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. You see, Paul lived a good life by any standard. He lived a religious life. 
He was a good person. Paul was the type of guy that every mom wanted their daughter to marry. He was the guy who was going to make a lot of money in his culture and society. He was the person who everyone was going to look up to. He was a good person. He did good things. He followed all the rules of his culture, all the rules of society to the letter. He worked hard and he studied hard and he did it to earn God's approval. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. And the reason everything changed for him is that he understood what we now call the gospel. He understood what we now know as the good news. And then he, he, he enumerates this. He puts it in the language for the Philippian church. And he says this, he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. I don't count on the things that I did, that I worked so hard to do in trying to be a good person to determine my value, my worth, or my merit before God. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. And this is important. For God's way of making us right with himself, the way God does it, it depends on faith. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Here's the thing. We all have, we all have sin that separates us from God. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Even if you don't, if you're not a Bible person or a, a church person, and maybe the idea of sin, like you're like, Chris, I'm not totally down with that. Well, we all do our best to try to deal with things in ourselves that we don't like or things that we know keep us from being a good person. We all have those things. And we all try to deal with those things in our own way, even if we don't really believe in it. And we do that by, by trying our best to be good, by trying our best to do good, by trying our best not to do things that are bad, even though we stumble and we do them, like we, we, we work as hard as we can to try and check off the boxes that we can to make us a good person. But we all know deep down, if we're being honest with ourselves, that our best efforts are never enough. We just can't do it, no matter how hard we try. We can never quite make it up that mountain. And Paul's telling us this. He's like, that's okay, because look, that doesn't matter anymore. You don't have to do it that way anymore because God's way of making us right with him, it has nothing to do with our efforts to be better or to do better. God's way of making us right with him has everything to do with Jesus's effort to redeem us. You see, Jesus already did the only thing that could make us good with God. Therefore, anything else that we can try to do to accomplish the same thing is pointless. Jesus already did what needed to be done to make us right with God. And so anything else that we try to do to accomplish the same thing it, it is a pointless exercise. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. If you, if you again, let's go to, to the airport. Let's, let's travel together to the airport, if you will. You, you want to get on a plane, you got your ticket, you're ready to fly out, and you get up to the TSA counter where they're going to check you in. You give them your ticket, they look at it, and they're like, okay, I need to see your driver's license or a valid ID. Check your wallet, your purse. Oh, shoot, I don't have my driver's license. I'm so sorry, I don't have my license on me. Is there any way I can get through? You know what TSA is going to tell you. I'm going to say, nope, I'm sorry. You have to have a valid ID, a license, a passport in order to get through this checkpoint. And it doesn't matter what you tell them. You can say, well, I have, I have my credit card. Uh, you know, it's got a really high balance. Um, I got my student ID here. I go to a, a really nice Ivy League school. You know, I've got uh, I've got my Core Life Eatery, you know, punch card. Shows that I eat well. I mean, I've got all this stuff that shows who I am. 
will that work? TSA is going to say, no, you have to have a valid ID. Well, okay. I, I don't think you quite know how important my flight is. It's really important that I get there. I'm kind of a, an important person and I got a lot of, of stuff going on and I need to get to this place. Sorry, I need a valid ID. Okay, well, how about, what if I give you $100 or $200? Would that get me through? I'm sorry. You need a valid ID. It doesn't matter what resume you give them about how important you are, about how good you are, about what you've accomplished. It doesn't matter whether you try to pay them or try to vow what kind of value you try to give them to show the value that you can add to them. It doesn't matter a bit because if you're going to get through it, only the right identification gets you in. Everything else is worthless. And look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in, wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, we stand at that TSA counter, we're trying to get through, and we're trying to say, listen, I'm a good person. You know, I, I gave to charity. Uh, I did my best to, to be a good friend to people. I helped homeless people whenever I could. Uh, you know, I, I, I tried not to swear too much, and I tried to keep, you know, keep my cool on social media. I, I worked really hard to be a good person, but we can't get through because we'll never get through on our own. But Jesus walks up to that counter and he flashes his identification and he says, it's okay, they're with me. And he puts his arm around us and he walks us through. You see, there's nothing we can do to earn our way through, but Jesus already did the work for us. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, he allows us to walk through into the presence of God doesn't matter whether we were good. God now sees us as good because Jesus, who never sinned, became the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. He did the work that we could never do. And knowing this, Paul comes through on the other end with this understanding of what that means for him as a follower of Jesus and what that means for the, the thing that he values and that matters most to him. And it's this, it's that knowing Jesus is priceless. Knowing Jesus is priceless. In fact, Paul doesn't even just say that, like, being a good person, that's kind of important. So we do these things here. And then, you know, but knowing Jesus is probably at the front of that line. So it's like knowing Jesus is one, and then it's like two, three, four, five, six. And that's kind of the order of things. Paul doesn't even, even do that. Paul says, actually, two, three, four, five, and six are like, they might as well be two million, three million, four million, five million. Those things are worthless, and Jesus is priceless. And he's inviting you to step out of a life that you are trying so hard to be good and to do good and to earn God's approval. He's inviting you to step out of a life that Paul determined in his own efforts, Paul who hit all the check boxes, said is worthless and step out of that into a life that is priceless, pricelessly valuable. He's saying there's no value proposition that you could place on that life because knowing Jesus is everything. 
And knowing Jesus unlocks everything. Knowing Jesus unlocks eternity with God in heaven. Knowing Jesus unlocks a quality of life, what Jesus calls an abundant life, the best life we could ever live here on earth. Knowing him unlocks the experience of that best life here and now. Knowing Jesus removes the need to ever earn God's favor. It removes that feeling that sometimes you have that God could never approve of you because you'll never be good enough. Because it doesn't matter whether you are good enough or not because Jesus is and he invites you in. You see, it removes from us this this need to earn God's favor and it sets us free from the guilt and the shame in order to be able to live in his grace and his love. You see, one day we're going to stand before God and all the things that we once thought were really important, those things are going to be stripped away and all that will be left is Jesus. Now this is good news because, because now your life, your merit, your worth to God, it doesn't depend on what you do or don't do. You can have hope You can have life because you don't have to earn it. You may have struggled because you just, you strive and strive and strive and you fail and fail and fail. And you look over at all these other people and like they seem to hit the jackpot every single time. Somehow they seem to do good over and over and over again. And it's all the more discouraging when you can't. But now it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is inviting you into a relationship with him and he will take you under his arm and he will walk you into the presence of God. You don't have to earn it. You are now right with God because of what he did. So the question as I wrap up is this, is what do you value most right now? What would your actions say you value most right now? What would your social media feeds tell the world that you value the most right now? For Christians, Paul wrote this to followers of Jesus. He wrote this to the Philippian church. Um, and he wrote this to a church that actually was, was struggling with this idea that even though they were followers of Jesus, that they somehow had to go back into following these old restrictions and these old laws in order to earn God's favor. And he's reminding them, don't lose sight. He's reminding them not to think that they could be saved by religion and that they can't be saved by politics. And they can't be saved by anything other than the gospel that they first believed. So Christian, ask yourself this question. Do I live as if knowing that Jesus is the most important thing in my life? Do I live as if the most important thing for me is to share Jesus with others in my life? And if the answer to that is no, then Paul would say to you what he's saying to the Philippian church. He's saying, come back. Come back. What you've allowed yourself to get distracted by, what you've allowed yourself to get invested in, is not just a little bit less important than Jesus. It's worthless when compared with the priceless and infinite value of knowing Jesus. And if you get that right, everything else will fall in line. Christian, Jesus... Jesus is inviting you back and Paul is is calling you back. He's saying, come back to Jesus. Prioritize knowing him. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, this is really the whole ball of wax right here. I mean, this, this is what it's all about. It's simply about this, putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. 
you can try all you want. You can be the best person you can be. You can check off all of the cultural boxes of good person. But the reality is that only Jesus can make you right with God. And the truth is that only Jesus can make you right with yourself. Only Jesus can put you at peace with the shame and guilt that you feel within yourself, from your past, from the things that you've done, maybe from things that have been done to you. Only Jesus can give you life. And it's life that's both in eternity and it's life that's both now. And he's making the same invitation to you today. Will you come and will you experience that life? Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it shows us what's most important in this world. And I thank you that it, it highlights for us how easy it is for us to value things that are not going to accomplish anything in our lives. And I, I pray that you would help open our eyes to see the priceless importance of knowing Jesus and the value that that could bring to our lives. For followers of Jesus who maybe lost track of that, and maybe we're looking for salvation in our own good deeds again. Maybe we're looking for salvation from a political party. Maybe we're looking for salvation from some, something that we can accomplish in this world. I pray that you would help us to remember to put all those things aside and to first remember that it comes from knowing Jesus. And you would help us to do that first. And I pray with my friends here who, who maybe today are saying, I don't know Jesus, but I want to today. I just virtually slip my hand up and I say, I'm ready to take a step of faith and enter into this new relationship with Jesus. I pray this with you. Jesus, I pray that you would, that you would take me in. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I put my faith and my hope and my trust in you today. And I may not know what comes next, but I'm willing to take this one step because I want to experience the life that you promised that you have for me today. In your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.